Is the new Georgia voting law a return to the old racist Jim Crow laws of the 19th and 20th centuries? Here's what President Joe Biden says about it. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. It is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I mean, this is gigantic what they're trying to do. And it cannot be sustained. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is Podcast 035, Podcast 35. And today we want to have a biblical conversation with you about this crazy world in which we live and all the controversies surrounding the new Georgia election law. Is it Jim Crow 2.0 or is it Jim Crow on steroids? Well, this is a serious concern for the Christ follower. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's eye view perspective of this complex issue confronting our culture, the church, and yes, you, as we apply God's word to make sense of it all. At the end of the podcast, we'll point you to additional resources for further study, just in case you'd like to dig in a little bit deeper. In the meantime, let's get started. So let me read an excerpt from election law. Listen to this. At all elections held pursuant to the provisions of this chapter, two inspectors representing different political parties shall act together at all times in supervising the use of the registration records and in verifying the rights of persons to vote on the basis of such records. The voter shall give the voter's name and the voter's residence address to the inspectors. An inspector shall then loudly and distinctly announce the name and the residence of the voter. If a voter's name appears in the ledger or computer-generated registration list with a notation indicating the voter's identity was not yet verified as required by the Federal Help America Vote Act, the inspector shall require the voter to produce one of the following types of identification before permitting the voter to cast his or her vote on the voting machine. A driver's license or Department of Motor Vehicles non-driver photo ID card or other current and valid photo identification. A copy of a current utility bill, bank statement, government check, paycheck, or other government document that shows the name and address of the voter. If the voter produces an identification document listed in the paragraph of this subdivision, The inspector shall also, in the ledger or computer-generated registration list, the voter will be deemed verified as required by the Federal Help America Vote Act, and the voter will be permitted to cast his or her vote on the voting machine. But if the voter does not produce an identification document listed in the paragraph of this subdivision, the voter shall only be entitled to vote by affidavit ballots unless a court order provides otherwise. Wow, that uh, that does seem pretty intimidating. Uh, I don't know how I would feel about having my name yelled loudly and clearly along with my address uh, if I was going to vote somewhere. Are these the new changes that they're talking about? Well, maybe, I guess, but let me just keep going and we'll, and we'll come back and unpack some of this in a moment. There is another stipulation. Not just anyone can vote absentee. You have to have a valid reason. It goes like this or something like this. Absentee privileges will have to be renewed each year unless you're over 65 or disabled. If you're over 65 or disabled, then you can permanently vote absentee. Otherwise, you don't have the privilege. This is called no-excuse absentee voting. 
Now, for many of us in California, we take these privileges for granted, but not so in this law. There's also the matter of ballot uh, drop-off boxes, and some are troubled by this. You can't drop off a ballot in any drop box. It has to be in the county election office drop box at the county office in your county of residence. Now, in some states, you can just go by any drop-off box and drop it off in whatever county you want to, but not in this state. And the drop box is actually made available during regular business hours in the weeks running up to the election. And they're doing this in the name of drop box security. Yeah, but it sounds more to me like that's uh, just making it less accessible for people to get there and vote. If I've got an absentee ballot and I am not in that county, thus I needed the absentee ballot, wouldn't it be easier if I could just drop it off in a county that's not my county of residence? Or mail it. Yeah. Yeah. But let's keep going. There's more. You probably heard about people being denied food and water who are waiting in line. Yeah, I did hear, uh, heard a lot of talk about that one. Yeah, well, the law speaks to the fact that nobody is to give anybody who is in line within 140 feet of the voting box of the ballots anything of value like cigarettes, money, water bottles, or food that might unduly influence their vote. Now, supposedly, that would prevent somebody with a slogan on their T-shirt coming up and saying, oh, I'm from so-and-so party, here's a pack of cigarettes, here's a bottle of water. They think that might affect people's vote, and there apparently have been some problems with that in the past. Oh, okay. So I thought they were doing that with anyone in line. No, 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 no. It's once you're within 140 feet of the ballot boxes. If you're in line and you're not that close or you're not in the building or anything like that, uh, you can people can bring you water. It's, it has to do with the distance or something like that. So that's just not true. Okay, but I mean, these do seem maybe a little bit stricter than necessary. I suppose it does on the surface, but we have to remember this is an election, and this applies to everyone. And remember, there are so-called poll watchers, people from each political party, present at the polling location. So let's just stop here for a moment. And I want to address the listener. Listener, are you listening? Because I'm speaking to you. As you hear these things, does this sound like or seem like the old Jim Crow law to you? Or as President Biden called it, Jim Crow on steroids? Here's the problem, and I want you to listen to this. The laws that I just read you are not from the state of Georgia. On the contrary, they are from President Biden's home state of Delaware, and they are also from the great state of New York. The truth is, is that Georgia's so-called new law is far more lenient than these laws. Its old law was even more lenient to the point that they did have problems that they discovered, and so they tweaked the law. Okay, so all of these laws were laws from New York and Delaware, which are clearly um, you know, left-leaning states, states that went for Biden in the election. And so why are they making such a big deal about Georgia's law if it's more lenient? Well, Mark, I guess we can't know everybody's heart. We can't know motives, but we can know actions. These actions were taken to prevent abuse, and they apply to everyone in the state. And Georgia, like New York, like Delaware, does require identification for people to vote, just like Delta Airlines, who's called for a a boycott of the state of Georgia, requires you to present ID before you fly, and just like a bank requires ID before you cash a check or open an account. I mean, think about it. People can't buy a glass of beer or a glass of wine without identification. You've got to prove your age. 
And the other thing about Georgia is this. Uh, research indicates that 97% of those of voting age in the population have state ID. Okay, so why did they make this big fuss? I mean, even Major League Baseball decided to move their all-star game. And then you have Delta, like you mentioned earlier, um, condemning this uh, this change, this change in voting laws, something that's going to be super restrictive. Well, in a word, Mark, it's all about politics. Now, this is a woke worldview. This is woke capitalism. There is an agenda. Now, let's, let's turn our attention to the Jim Crow law for a moment. This is a term, Jim Crow, that is thrown around a bit carelessly. It's, it's like people making silly comparisons to the Holocaust. These laws are tweaks, and they bear no resemblance to Jim Crow. So you're basically just saying that uh, when Biden calls it Jim Crow on steroids, he's, he's lying. Well, Mark, what I am saying is, and what I'm trying to do is to remind us all that J- Joe Biden is a politician. The way he's characterized this law and the legislators who drafted it is inaccurate. It's untruthful. Now, he's either done so out of ignorance or carelessness, cluelessness, or out of deceit. And again, you and I can't know his heart, but what we can know are the facts, and the facts refute his statement, or he'd be condemning New York State and his own state of Delaware, his home state. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, but remember who he is. What is he? He is the president of the United States, and he's held to a stricter standard. Wait, I thought he was from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Well, no, Mark. Uh, I know that was a big deal during the uh, election. He was born in Scranton, but he's been in Delaware holding office there for, over, for close to 50 years. Now, let's get after the, what we do know about real Jim Crow laws. Let me just walk us through the Jim Crow laws. There were literacy tests for voters targeting recently freed illiterate slaves, uh, people who were enslaved in the past. Uh, some states like California prohibited a person from marrying outside of their race. That was true of Georgia, too. Jim Crow laws included segregating schools, segregating restaurants, hotels, with so-called separate but equal facilities, which oddly enough, uh, Michigan State or the University of Michigan, I forget which one, is now doing that for dorms, dorms for black people only, in the name of critical race theory. Also, people forget that blacks, uh, Native Americans, and Asians were forced to attend separate schools. Wait, so even Asians were caught up in this? The Jim Crow laws applied to lots of people, and in California... Remember, Jim Crow laws weren't limited to the South. In California in 1879, uh, the Constitution was changed to say no native of China would have the right to vote in the state of California. And that wasn't repealed until 1926. Also in 1879 in California, uh, public bodies were prohibited from employing Chinese, and the Constitution called upon the legislator to protect the state from burdens and evils arising from their presence. And a statewide anti-Chinese referendum was held and passed by California with a vote of 99.4% in favor of discriminating against Chinese people in 1879. So what we tend to forget is uh, Jim Crow laws were all over the place. It wasn't in every single state. And the good news is, as the country matured, as people were more enlightened, uh, these laws were struck down. Uh, A series of court cases 
pretty well gave the death blow to these laws. And you had the Supreme Court of the United States in 1954 knocking down segregation with Brown versus the Board of Education. You had laws that limited who you could marry within your race, uh, knocked down in 1967 the last state, Virginia, and Loving versus Virginia fell. The Supreme Court of the United States took care of that. And, and then the coup de grace to all of this was the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which banned discrimination on the basis of race, national origin, things like that, age. And so 1954, 1964, 1967 pretty well ended all of that. Okay, so after hearing that, I do still struggle with how do the these laws in Georgia that are less stringent than the laws that are in New York and um, Delaware, as, as you pointed out, how are the, like, I just don't understand how these guys are putting it on par with Jim Crow and calling it Jim Crow 2.0. Well, Mark, the fact is there's no comparison. This is not even close. That's the point. This is all about sort of the cancel culture being applied to states. It's about woke capitalism. It's about name-calling. It's about labeling. It's about marginalizing. It is not about facts, all of which brings us to God's Word. All right, yeah, let's get into that. How do we as Christians respond to something like this, especially when it seems like it's so far disconnected from our spiritual lives? Well, you know, for the Christian, uh, we need to apply God's Word to situations and circumstances like these to make sense of it all. And one of the principles that you find in the book of Proverbs is in Proverbs 18:17, which says this, and I think this really applies to all the media furor and hysteria and corporate uh, anxiety over this voter law. The first one who makes his case seems right until another comes along and examines him, Proverbs 18:17. Yeah, and so I guess this is where you know, like we talked about last week and we've talked about in the previous weeks, being a good Berean, somebody who who studies and understands is, is really, it's good for the way that we study our Bible, but it's also a good life principle. Exactly, Mark, you got it. These days, we as Christ followers have to be discerning. We have to be careful. We have to, as it says in First John about the church and about belief, we have to test the spirits to see if these things are from God. We have to test... You know, as Bereans, we have to search and see if these things are true. We need, as we talked about last time, to be clued in and not clueless concerning all these things. We always have to remember human nature, and we're dealing with politics, and we're dealing with worldviews. We're dealing with a sinful, fallen world, and we're living through something like a tale of two presidents. You think of the previous president, Donald Trump, he would scowl and sometimes exaggerate and say things that weren't true. And now we're dealing with a president who smiles and does the very same thing. He says things that aren't quite true. But in the end, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden, a lie is a lie no matter who tells it. And as president of the United States, Joe Biden is held to a stricter standard, as it says in the Bible, that leaders are to be. And because of his allegiance to his agenda... He seems to be taking liberties with the truth, but that doesn't give him the ability to take an end-justifies-the-means kind of approach. And I think people are beginning to catch on to this just a little bit, uh, and they're also catching on to the media, because the media frequently misrepresents the truth as well. You know, uh, Biden supported moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta, and then he realized later on that it 
cost jobs for people, for working people, and for what? For a lie, a lie to advance his agenda. And this is just a larger version of a ham-handed cancel culture where we punish people with whom we disagree, and I believe it's beginning to backfire. I think that's why you saw Joe Biden back off and back down and start backpedaling about moving the Masters golf tournament out of Georgia recently. And really what this comes down to is speaking plainly, speaking clearly, speaking honestly. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, and anything beyond that is sin. And Joe Biden has sinned. And it's for you and me and others who name the name of Christ and follow him. I think this ugly lie about the state of Georgia told for political capital reminds us, as I've said before, that you can't trust the media and you really can't trust career politicians in most cases because as it says in the Proverbs, the first one to make their case seems right until, until another comes along and examines him or her. Well, I think uh, one of the things that I would even add in there uh, as we talk about Oberyn and as we talk about these lies that just continue to get pushed, I think as Christians, for us to also propagate and promulgate these lies um, when it comes out that, that we've not done our research and we've not studied and we've not looked into what these laws actually say, and we find out that we've, we're lying because we're just repeating what we've heard on the media, I, I, I think it really starts to call into question also our witness in that. You, Mark, I, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, this is a pretty divided country right now, and there are so-called progressive Christians who, who like Joe Biden. And, and what happens is, is we let our political ideology obscure our relationship with Christ, our grasp of the truth, our love of the truth, and we do, as you say, compromise our witness. And that's why we need to test. We need to examine very carefully what we hear in the news, what politicians tell us. We have to test the spirits to see if these things are true. We have to be, as Jesus taught, as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves because there is just too much at stake here. And again, this comparison to Jim Crow is just really crass, ugly, dishonorable, and untrue. But nobody seems to care because they're taking an in justifies the means kind of approach. Well, that's it for today. Why don't we end here? Next week, we're going to take up the Derek Chauvin trial and the idea of due process and the Christian. Thanks for joining us for this round. If you'd like additional resources, go to www.gracetoliveradio.org and hit the resource button. If you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at keith at hillside.org. If you'd like to learn more about Hillside Church, visit www.hillside.org online forward slash services and you can uh, watch us online or you can come to one of the services at eight o'clock 9 45 or 11 30 remember we release this podcast every wednesday so we hope you'll join us next time this is keith crosby with mark stickler god bless you and keep you